This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. Have you ever thought about the saints among us? I mean, those saints who are living in the same times we are and experiencing the same things we're experiencing. I'm certain there are a lot of them out there who are living lives of sanctity and holiness that we just can't imagine. Do you ever think about those men and women who spend their entire days in silence adoring God and praying for all of us, and yet their names are known only to God? That thought really got to me when I started preparing for today's program. And the subject for today would often attend multiple Masses during the day just to honor God and then spend additional time in prayer and good works. It really got me to thinking, how do I measure up? How many times did I stop and pray to God for someone else? Maybe it's best I try not to answer that, but it is food for thought. But today, I want to tell you the story of Adel Quinn. And as usual, I don't have enough time to tell you everything about this amazing young woman and how she answered the questions I was just asking. Well, Adel Quinn was born on the 14th of September in County Cork, Ireland, way back in 1907, and would be the first of four children. Everything she did seemed to have a story connected to it. Whoever heard of a child being baptized with the name of Adel? Well, that was not the name her parents had selected. She should have been baptized Adele, but the priest misunderstood her intended name and thought the parents were thinking of the little white flower known as Edelweiss and so he baptized her as Adel, and Adel it would forever be. But there is some question as to the accuracy of the story, but it is very interesting to consider nonetheless. Her father was skilled in the banking business, and because of his abilities, the family moved often as the bank would open new branches, and he would go to set them up. Adel's early years in school would be a forerunner for her lifelong personality. From the very beginning, she was a self-assured young child full of mischief with a disarming sense of humor, and yet a child who never strayed from the rules of what was expected of her. She was always unselfish and fun to be with, and had a myriad of interests ranging from music to games to sports where she also excelled. But hidden from obvious view, she was well organized, and from the very beginning took her faith very seriously, and would constantly offer little acts of mortifications to God. And while she was a natural-born leader, she was also concerned for the feelings and wishes of her friends. But perhaps one of her greatest loves was the Mass. It was not unusual for her to attend multiple Masses on Sundays and Holy Days. As she would grow older and finish school, it was also not unusual for her to miss breakfast in order to attend Mass before going to work in the morning, and frequently she would take time during her lunch hour to visit someone who was ill or 
needed help. As you could probably imagine, as time would pass, she would think more and more of becoming a nun, where she would have the opportunity of spending her time worshiping God. When she was around 19 in 1927, she got a job as a secretary with a business in Dublin, and her bubbling personality made her a popular employee who was given more and more responsibilities. Everyone liked her, including her employer, who was attracted by her beauty and her abilities. And so, one day, he proposed. When she told him, very kindly, that she wanted to become a poor Clare nun, he was so disheartened that he moved to England. Well, feeling sorry for him, she would write him frequently, encouraging him to succeed in his new career efforts. She was always sensitive to the feelings of others. Adel was an active member of a convent sodality for poor children, where her skills in music and theater were put to good use. It was there, while attending one of the meetings, that one of her friends invited her to attend the meeting of another organization, very new, called the Legion of Mary. The objective of the Legion of Mary is the glory of God through the holiness of its members developed by prayers and active cooperation in Mary and the Church's work. It was founded in Ireland in 1921. The Legion sees as its priority the spiritual and social welfare of each individual. The members participate in the life of the parish through visitation to families and the sick, both in their homes and hospitals, and through collaboration in every apostolic and missionary undertaking sponsored by the parish. So it offers a wide variety of opportunities by the members, as well as those who are fortunate enough to be the recipient of their efforts. Well, it's pretty obvious that the goals of the Legion of Mary immediately caught the imagination of Adel and the opportunities that were present to serve God through his people. She jumped aboard with both feet, and I believe it probably seemed to her to be a good segue to her future life as a nun in a convent. The caliber of her own dedication to the Legion became more obvious, and she was nominated to be the new president of her group. This met with a minor firestorm because of her young age, but Frank Duff himself, the founder of the Legion, used his personal influence to have her accepted as the new president of her group. Naturally, there were complaints and gripes, but they soon began to disappear because of the growth and accomplishments that were being created under her leadership of imagination and success as a patient, kind, and dedicated president. She, she had the knack of getting along with people. Well, after several years, she was at last ready to enter into religious life. And as the final preparations were completed, she became very ill. The diagnosis 
with tuberculosis, and she was confined to a sanitarium for about 18 months. Her life of, uh, as a religious now seemed impossible because of her fragile health. Well, you could only imagine her tremendous disappointment, but she was too positive for this to be the end of her world. As you could also imagine, she hated not being able to be active, but being obedient, she rested as ordered. But during these rest periods, she occupied her time and mind by reading the writings of St. Therese of Lisieux about her sufferings, and Adel would often offer up her own inactivity as well as a kind of penance. After being released from the sanitarium, not really cured, but at least improved, Adel went back to work in her paying job. But now she would use her vacation time to organize new Legion of Mary groups throughout Ireland. About this time, Frank Duff and the other leaders of the Legion of Mary were contemplating expanding the organization to broader fields, including the United States and Africa. This would require new leadership to organize these countries. Oh, the work would be hard and at times dangerous, requiring only the best and, and the most creative organizers. Well, because of her reputation for not only success, but her kindness and sincerity, Adel was recommended for Africa. Well, this immediately generated a heated objection from a Carmelite priest, active in the upper echelons of the organization, who spoke long and eloquently as to why she should not be selected. Well, as this was going on, she was there. She heard all the objections to her selection without the slightest frown, even to the priest's conclusion that the job would not be a picnic and would be subject to disease, primitive living, and constant danger, to name just a few of the problems. When he was finished with his tirade, Adel, with extreme gentleness mixed with a firm tone, responded, I know all of these difficulties you have explained, and it is exactly the position that I am looking for. I don't want to go to any picnic. End of her quote. Speaking of the potential dangers, the priest responded saying, You will make a nice picnic for someone out there. Well, Adel felt that she may have been disrespectful to the priest and, and apologized and, on her knees, asked for his forgiveness. Well, somewhat taken aback by her response, he looked directly at her and said, Go off on your mission as God himself summoned you to do this. Well, a few of the members questioned the wisdom of her selection, but Frank Duff would answer, You can't keep a wild bird in a cage. Adel is about to make history. And so, on the 24th of October in 1936, while still in her 20s, Adel Quinn set sail for Africa alone. 
In today's world, we often question a young woman going somewhere alone, but this was in the 30s, and she was going to Africa, where there were both language and cultural barriers, and danger around every bush. Plus, she was alone. Well, as she was boarding the ship, surrounded by her friends, I would imagine, and family, she would casually say with her goodbyes, I won't be coming back. Whatever the consequences may be, rejoice that you had the faith and courage to emulate our Lord in his choice of weak things. And she was never to return again. Arriving in Mombasa on her own, she made her way to Kenya in East Africa, where she planned to make her Legion of Mary headquarters. Now, life in Kenya was very different than life in Ireland, very different. The Catholic population was comprised of many different ethnic groups that preferred staying strictly among their own. For example, European Catholics were not comfortable with African Catholics, just as African Catholics were not comfortable with Goan Catholics, which was the largest Catholic congregation, the Goans, that is. They were from a Portuguese colony, and Africans studiously avoided Indian Catholics. This was a new period in history, and we know that, like groups tend to remain with their own, not necessarily out of disrespect, but that could also be a deterrent too. Well, pause for a moment, if you will, and visualize how you would feel in a different continent, different customs, different foods, different dress, and with danger all around you. Plus, you have tuberculosis to boot, and you are a woman alone. Well, she would present herself to different priests in different parishes, and as she did this, they would eye her with a bit of skepticism. What is this new organization? What did it do? What did she expect? What did she want from them? What would it add to their burdens? No, this was definitely no picnic. She would give a talk, and the announcements were made in various churches to various groups together so that they could all be joined together when she would be talking, not favoring one group or the other. Well, the day of the meeting arrived, and she was really worried that no one would show up. To her surprise, she would have an audience of perhaps 25 people, probably more than she expected, and five of those were Goans. After her talk, someone remarked that there was no need for this organization because there was, as one woman jumped up and said, there were plenty of people to help. But then another lady jumped up and said that she knew at least 14 children who needed instructions. Well, that struck a nerve. And then Adel asked for volunteers, and six women volunteered. And so the first chapter or presidium of the Legion of Mary in Africa was started on the vigil of the Immaculate Conception. And they chose as their name the presidium of the Immaculate Conception. Well, 
Adel would contact every missionary she could and give them a handbook and encourage them to use that as part of their mission. Some were agreeable, many were not. They already had much to do, but Adel was always unflappable and gently persuasive. Adel with her tuberculosis, that is. And her disappointments were never personal. Her anguish was only the inability to praise the glory of God and bring others to him, and she felt a personal duty to bring her pagan brothers and sisters to the table of Jesus. Can you imagine what this lone woman endured apart from the tremendous heat on her own in another continent, and Africa is a large and different world than that in which she was brought up. But she was meeting with success. More and more, she was organizing new groups. She now had a dilapidated car whose motor announced her arrival long before she could be seen, and she would travel hundreds of miles over dusty roads and and sometimes over no roads at all, and surprisingly, she brought happiness with her wherever she went. Sometimes she would have to hitch a ride, and remember, she didn't travel alone. Her tuberculosis traveled with her. Well, it doesn't take much imagination to understand how often she felt unwell, tired, but she had a big job to do all by herself, so she kept on going. I can't help but wonder how I would have fared if I were she. And then, too, it wasn't just the TB. There were those constant bouts of dysentery, pneumonia, malaria, and a few other maladies tossed in for good measure. But she kept going, always believing that it was the magnificent power of the Eucharist that gave her the will and power to take the next step. On one occasion, her car broke down and she had to walk ten miles to the next town to summon a mechanic. And while she was waiting for the repair to be done, she took no food or water so she could receive communion, which gave her strength. And when the car was repaired, she was off again, suffering bouts of fever from her malaria, off and on as she would travel ever forward, organizing one group after another. Well, the war clouds in Europe were swirling, but in January of 1940, she braved the German submarines, taking a freighter to the island of Moedis, and in nine months she had started the Legion of Mary in 19 different parishes. Later in 1940, she even bicycled her way in the midday sun to meet with new possible groups, even though her weight was now down to perhaps 75 pounds. And then she collapsed. Her doctors ordered her to leave the area and began a six-month recuperation in a cooler climate like that of Johannesburg. She obeyed, and as her strength returned, she also returned to Nairobi. But her strength would not continue, and she barely managed to return to Nairobi. 
I should mention that in one hospital, one of the sisters told her that they didn't expect her to be alive in the morning, but Adel shrugged it off, saying, Jesus told me I have three more years to live. Well, Africa had taken its toll as Adel's work was now known throughout eastern and southern Africa. In March of 1944, Adel returned after she had been on a prolonged and exhausting travel schedule. She returned to Nairobi in a state of near exhaustion and suffered a series of heart attacks. Despite her exhaustion and never-ending efforts on behalf of Our Lady and her Divine Son, she was anxious to start anew her work promoting more workers for Our Lady and her Son. But God must have been indeed satisfied with her labors, because it was now three years after she had told the sisters during another illness that Jesus would take her home in three years. At home she went, undoubtedly on the wings of angels, on Friday the 12th of May in 1944, while visiting a friend. Well, as she was there, her condition worsened. She received the last rites, and she asked the Mother Superior at the convent where she was visiting, Is Jesus coming? And then, kissing the crucifix in a whisper, she uttered, Jesus Jesus. And with those words on her lips, she went home. She was just 36 years old and had spent almost eight years in Africa. I think it was Frank Duff who said, she fulfilled this mission with such devotion and courage as to stir every heart and to leave the Legion of Mary and Africa itself forever in her debt. No less than the Pope himself gave great great credit for what this remarkable woman did and showed what one person can do. On the 15th of December in 1964, Pope John Paul II declared Adel venerable on the road to sainthood. For the ladies who are listening, you might check out if you have a Legion of Mary in your parish it would certainly be well worthwhile. And Adel Quinn once wrote, We have only this life, and perhaps a very short one, in which to prove our love for God. What a desolation life would be without the Eucharist. Go to Christ in the company of Mary, and with her spirit of faith and love, count on her to make up out of her fullness for your own deficiencies. Don't you feel more and more that nothing really matters in this world? Even the worst pains, sorrows, and disappointments are only for a time. So long as God's will is done, it matters not where he places us or what he asks us to bear. It's the will, the will, the will that matters. The words of Adel Quinn. Which leaves the question, what is it that we are doing? This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.